message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Father, get me out of the way that your truths that are objective would be understood through the power of the Holy Spirit and obeyed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It had come up, the idea of church membership, what's it all about? Is it biblical? Because especially even before the millennial generation, even in the 80s and late 80s or 80s and maybe 70s, which would be me, the organized stuff was questionable. It was starting to get out of favor. So the especially when I became an active Christian in in, in you know when I was twenty one or something like that, I was very angry with organized religion. Very angry with organized religion. Because how could I go twenty something years and never hear the gospel or never have a Bible cracked open to me? Right? That made me very mad. And I remember working at a store and I was sweeping, you know, cleaning up after, you know, in Maine when it snows, there's salt on the floor all the time, salt and sand. I'm sweeping that up and I was angry. I was ripping mad. How could I have gone this long sinning against God and not one grown up, not one human being approached me with the gospel, approached me with what church was really about. And I was mad. And I hate, and I still hate to this day, organized religion. Because organized religion fools people into thinking they're going into a building, they're doing it off their checklist. I've been to church, I've done their ceremonies, I can go live like the devil now. I really don't give a rip about God. I don't know what the Bible says and I don't care. And uh, whatever Facebook tells me, I'm going to do. And there's, you know, there's this huge difference between religious people and Christians. Huge difference. Um, so what's what we're going to talk about is what a real church looks like. And with that, what, what does membership, how can, where in the Bible does it say, sign up and put your name on the roll? Where in the scriptures does it say that, right? So I'm going to demonstrate to you there was, nowadays it's easier to pack it up and say it's a membership issue. But I'm going to demonstrate scripture does have a level of intimacy, of a fellowship that could only, you could only be labeled, excuse me, a member if you were this involved, you know. And it's basically it's official fellowship is another way to define it: official fellowship versus unofficial fellowship. So let's unpack this um, and look at the, all the scripture that has to do with it. First of all, God has created the local church to provide for His local elect. Okay, now that's not elect officials. That's is if you've ever come to Christ, if you ever said, you know what, that Jesus thing is a good idea. I think I want Jesus because my plan stinks. The only way you could ever come to that conclusion is if God has already touched your brain, bing, and turned the light on, and you go, of course the right thing is the right thing. But you might tell your friend or neighbor, hey, you want Jesus, and they're going to go, I don't want Jesus. Because the light ain't turned on for them, so even though it is the right thing, they can't see it and don't want it. All right, that's called. And we're going to look at this word "elect" in its it's in the word "church." So let's look at this. First Corinthians chapter one verse two. Here's Paul writing to a a group of people, the church to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus 
called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Clearly, first of all, Paul is writing to a particular group of believers in Corinth. And if you ever read First and Second Corinthians, this is a messy group. You don't necessarily, I mean, this church was chuck full of sin, and that's what these writings are about. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, see how he's saying this? Not to those who have, you know, are, are religious, but called to be saints together with all those whom in every place call upon the name of our Lord. So he's saying to the local church and to the church greater. What is that squeaking sound? Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, let's keep moving. Now, the church comes from two words out of the Greek called ek and kela, kaleo, which means to out of, you're pulled out of, and to call. So it's to call out of. So to be part of the church is to be called out of. All right? So God literally is grabbing people. They're all being stupid. If you've ever seen any of the zombie movies, these are non-Christians. They're running down the road. They're doing every form of evil and stupidness. And then all of a sudden, you stop and go, I don't want that. I, th- I think I'm more interested in the things of God than in the things of the devil. And the only reason you do that is because God is now literally calling you out. You are part of the elect. He has elected you. He's rescued you from your bad everything. And now he's putting you in a new direction. Does that make sense? All right. God has called you out of the world, planted you in himself with others, given you a new family, and wants you to grow up in responsibility. Alright, so not only is God pulling you out, He's now making you part of a new family, and the purpose of that new family is to help you grow up. And that doesn't end. Growing up never ends. Uh, so let's look at this a little deeper. In, cha- in Acts chapter 2, 41-43, So those who received His word, this is the first church, by the way. This is the beginning of the church, right here. This is Peter gets up after the uh, Pentecost and he's preaching to Jews. And he's telling Jews, hey, remember that Jesus who you killed? He's your Messiah. You better repent. So here's what happened. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So here it is. So they come together, there's about 3,000 repent. The light turns on, and they get it. And for a Jew to accept their Messiah means they're rejected by the rest of the Jews. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that's communion, and to praying. Alright? And awe came on every soul because the apostles were there doing amazing things. So let's break this down and look at it a little closer. The apostles' teaching is not just teaching. Alright? 
That's why the Scripture is front and center and I'm to the side. Because what I want to direct your attention to is the Apostles' teaching. And that's the Scripture that I take from this book and we cut and paste into larger terms and we put them up here for you to see. Right? So that it remains objective. So now, the church has two orders. God has given us two orders, the church ordinances. One is baptism, and the second is communion. So for anyone who comes to Christ, believes that Jesus is the one and only way you're ever going to heaven, you're commanded to tell the world, I belong to Jesus in baptism. It has no saving power. It has no mystical attributes. What it does is it's your public announcement to the world, I belong to Jesus. Alright? And the second one is communion, where we just do it once a month, but some churches do it every week. There's no requirement of that. And the big idea is that it helps, it helps us remember the sacrifice Jesus paid to reconcile us to God. Does that make sense? So I'm going through this pretty quickly. Why the local church? Well, the first big reason is you are not alone. All right? Why the local church? To let you know that when you come to Christ, when I came to Christ, I know I felt very alone. There, you know, because if this is the truth, where's the others? And am I joining a cult? I remember when someone first opened the Bible to me when I was 21 the first thing I did is pray that God would protect me from him. Okay, we were, we were getting together to work on some comic strips, some, some, a cartoon character, and he was opening the Bible to me and showing me scriptures. And I went outside and I said, Lord Jesus, protect me from this guy because he's showing me the Bible and no one's ever done this before. It must be a cult. All right? So I thought for sure it was bad. And, but unfortunately, fortunately, it kept making sense when no one else did, right? So it kept opening these scriptures. And then, so then I got this little group of people that, you know, are, 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 they all seem to agree. But is this just local? Is this just a little secret cult in the area? And then I went to visit a friend in New Hampshire, no, Massachusetts. And lo and behold, there was a whole church full of these folk all believing this stuff. And lo and behold, there's a radio station that was talking about the same stuff. And so in, from where I grew up, there's a large Catholic church in every town, at least one. They are the biggest church filled with the most people. The Protestant churches are these little white churches hiding out in the woods. All right, That have about this many people in them. Maybe a few more, maybe a few less. The church I went to had a wood stove in the back, still, to heat things up. All right? So, you know, is this, is this surreal? But it turns out the majority of America are Protestant churches. It's in New England where the majority are Catholic churches. So my worldview had to grow to realize that, hey, I'm not alone. This isn't just me thinking I'm onto something. It's God's really doing something. And it's bigger than me. The very internal struggles that you or I are going through is what everyone else is going through. Real fellowship, growing in Christ, is messy. And it's exciting when you know it's supposed to be messy. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 13, and we're commanded to grow up. Here it is. 
And He, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's unpack this. Take a second. All we have left nowadays are evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These guys have already done their work. They're done. The Bible's complete. There are no more apostles running around, and there are no more prophets running around. So be careful if anyone declares to be both of these. What we've got left is evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. What's the goal? To equip the saints. Who are the saints? The local church. So this is specifically talking about us. And to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So now your calling is higher than just being part of a group. You now have a battle plan. You now are given a job to do what? To build up the body of Christ. Okay? If you know of folks who left church for dumb reasons, um, that's dumb because... You can't say the church is bad because you're the church. You can't say, I don't go to church. I, I'd like to fo- I follow Jesus, but I don't like the church. You, you can't. You logically can't because Jesus came for the bride of Christ, which is the church. So to say I hate the church is one is to say I hate Christ and I hate myself if you hate the local church. All right? It's you're declaring war on the God who you claim you serve. But, in reverse, to, we're here to equip each other for the work, for building up the body of Christ. Now, if this doesn't sound like a lot, I want you to make sure it is. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, knowing what the Scripture says and we're all in agreement, the knowledge of the Son of God... Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is the only way you're ever going to get to heaven. Your works will never contribute to the work of Christ. You understand? Just God. To mature manhood. In this case, we could say personhood. Because that includes ladies. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In us, God wants to transform our spirit and our sinfulness into the image of Christ. That's what this is all about. So, we want to stop global pew warming. Alright? Because this will not grow a church. We want the church to grow because people get converted... And it doesn't have to be in the church. Most evangelism does not take place here. Evangelism takes place when you're out there and you say, what did you do on Sunday? I was out drinking and I slept in until 4 and then I had to go to work on Monday and I'm still taking pills. What did you do? Oh, I got up and went to church. Church? Right? Uh, that, I could think of some other stories. I've got too much information to give. So let's keep it going. You have opportunities to share Christ just by living, right? Ephesians 4.14 So that we, 
may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in in deceitful schemes. This totally says to me, Facebook! If any of you track Facebook, you see it all day long. The dumb ideas, the quotes from Osteen, all the crap out there for the sole purpose to trick you with every wind of doctrine and human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Right? How many of those warm, fuzzy, hallmark Facebook posts are absolute poison? All right? And they're shared to us by friends, families, and neighbors. I'm not saying stop watching Facebook. It's a great opportunity for you to communicate with folks. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we need to grow up to discern the difference of what's coming down our news feed. Hey, that's good. That's crap. That's good. That's bad. We need to be able to discern the difference and maybe use that opportunity to share back. Have you ever got to those Facebook posts that says, God's going to bless you, angels are going to sprinkle dust on you, only if you share it with 500 people. But if you don't share it, a curse is going to come upon you. Have you ever received those posts? I've received those posts. Um, I stopped them immediately. Right. I Now, that's about as godly as superstition and evil stupidness could be. Okay, that's horrible stuff. Have you ever replied back to that person and say, would you please repent and grow up? (laughs) All right? Maybe we need to do that. Put a little salt back in the news feed. So, just horrible stuff. And then the excuses. Have you ever did reply back and they say, oh, well, I don't really believe that. Yeah, well, you shared it. You read it and you shared it, hoping that maybe that you're going to win something from God. You know, just that little seasoning. God, look, I shared that. Maybe, maybe there's some truth in it somewhere, right? It's that hint of superstition we, that we want. Oh, yeah. Get a little blessing. Does the Bible talk about an organized local church? Well, yes. We have Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, and the big old book of Revelation. Uh, Galatians 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia. There was more than one group of believers in the city, uh, the nation of Galatia. 1 Thessalonians 1.1 or Timothy Paul, Silvius, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonica, the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. To the church of the Thessalonians. So yes, church meaning the called out ones in these places. That's Thessalonians, right? Yes, that was definitely Thessalonians. And of course, Jesus talks about the seven churches in Revelation between chapters 2 and 3. So these are local groups of believers that are coming together. Well, what are they doing? So let's take a look at that. <clears throat> uh, does, but does a church, is it organized? Or is it just like people meeting in their homes and enjoying some fellowship and eating some pizza? You know, Is that what it is? No, the church actually has an organizational structure to it that we can see in Scripture. Hebrews 13, 17 
Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, this is uh, a letter written to Jewish Christians, Hebrews, right, is the name of the letter. And we already mentioned that some there's... Uh, <clears throat> shepherds and evangelists and teachers to equip the saints. Here's another example of, hey, the churches have leaders and their job is to watch over your souls. Alright? Here's some more. First and Second Timothy and Titus, which are known as the pastoral epistles. And Paul is specifically writing to Timothy in two of the letters and to Titus in the one, coaching them, giving them instructions on how to manage a local church. All right, so there's definitely um, leaders. Well, what do these leaders look like? First uh, Timothy chapter three one and First Timothy three eight. There are elders and there are deacons. This uh, verse one, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. <clears throat> overseer is Episcopal blah blah. I don't know how that's pronounced. But have you ever heard of the Episcopal Church? All right, that's where the word comes from. That's the same Greek word that they're pulling from, which means overseer. Same with Presbyterian or deacon, presbyter. Um, and again, in verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. And so in the same chapter, he's distinguishing between an overseer and a deacon. So those are two roles or offices God put in the local church. A deacon or deaconos is one who executes the commands of another, especially like a master, servant, attendant, or minister. The servant of a king. So this is all describing the idea of a deacon. A deacon, one who, by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church, cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. And of course, this creates a plurality of leadership, meaning there's not just one guy, but there's a team of people keeping check on each other and being able to meet the needs of the local body. God saves people in an area. They begin to meet together regularly for a purpose. That's the big idea. That's what it's all about. Uh, <clears throat> does the Bible teach an idea of membership, though? I haven't really answered that question. Where does it say, thou shalt sign up? Right? Uh, just as baptism identifies you as a follower of Jesus and all the responsibilities thereof, officially belonging, like an official membership to a local church, identifies and adds responsibility and accountability to you. See, if you're a visitor, you can come and go, and other than an occasional, hey, is everything all right? How you doing? Glad to see you. Hope you come back. Instead of those, if you're a member and you disappear from church, now we go, hello, you belong here. You're missing. Where'd you go? You need to be coming back. You're a member of the local church. You are accountable to this group. This group needs you. You're a blessing to this group. And we need to stay faithful because you've got a job to do with these people. That rowdy group of people is your people. Right? That's the difference. 
So this is, that's the idea of becoming an official member, which I have never, ever pushed to probably the chagrin and not rightness in my part. So I'm repenting even as I was studying this. It's an ought to that also becomes a get to. To become part of the local church, obviously you're, you're, you ought to become a member and get involved, but it's a get to because now you get somewhat of a safe place to learn how to grow up. No one's going to judge you for messing up. Messing up is part of growing up. All right? We practice shooting. It's hunting season. We practice our shooting so we aim well and hit the target and we miss in our practices so we don't miss when we're doing it. Church allows us to grow up together and it gives you that safe place. You are part of a family with all its benefits and responsibilities. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, did, I preached this for six months uh, over a year ago, and it made people flee for their lives. So I don't know why this scares people, but we want to keep in mind is, although it says, let us consider how to stir one, one another up, it doesn't say, consider considering stirring one another up. So this, by implication, is a command of God to those who belong to Jesus Christ. Part of your week is, how can I help the crazy group on Sunday morning? How can I add some value to that? How can I get involved? How can I encourage that person? How can I show love to that person and good works? Right? Not so that you will go to heaven. That would be religion, which is evil. But because you are going to heaven, because Jesus saved you, is why we want to do this. Right? And not neglecting meeting together. I mean, where else are you going to get it? Right? How are we doing? We're almost done. All right. Thank you for the feedback. One anothering. That's a word, right? John 13, 34, and 35. Uh, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, this is not social justice. This does not mean we have a food pantry and give food to the poor. This is about loving one another. What does do people want? Look in the door, Papa Bible Church, and go look at them all hugging and saying hi. I want to be part of that, right? Or do they go like, oh, there was another church fight, oh, another church split, another church drama, right? How do they know us? They need to be knowing us that those people, if you get into that group, you ain't ever getting out because they'll love you like crazy, and you'll never want to leave. You want to be part of that group. And not to mention, it's a command of Christ, and He tells us to love each other as He loved us. Right? How many sins did Jesus have to forgive you of this 
week. Think of it. Take a moment and think, how many sins did Jesus have to forgive you of this week? Now you, yeah. <laughs> now you come to church on Sunday morning and you didn't like the way that person shook your hand. It was like a fish. I can't believe that. that <gasps> right? Who, what? Who's offended you here that you haven't offended God a thousand times worse this week? Right? So that's why the command is to love one another as I have loved you, Christ says. That's how we're to love each other. And you're going to find that difficult because that person offends you that or offended you. Ha! Well, well, no, God, I'm not going to love them like you love me. Sorry, that's not an option. You know what I'm saying? Okay, James chapter 5, 14 and 15. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Uh, just a quick note. Some people like to use this out of context to say to get the elders to pray over them and they'll be healed as in physically healed, there's no guarantee of that. You're praying over them so that their spirit is in the right place. All right, The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. It doesn't necessarily mean heal the one who is sick. We want to be careful there. And the Lord will raise him up. Because the one who's sick, what's more important, that they get healed or that they know Christ? What's way more important to the one who is sick and close to death? It's that they know Christ. Because what's, So what if you get them healed and they go on living like the devil? What benefit was that to them? It's that they know Christ before they die. So that's what, it's all, that's what this is all about. But just so you all know, this happened a lot before, but if you all get stuck in the hospital, please, I don't want to hear a third person. Feel, give me a call, Jeff, so-and-so's in the hospital, so I can get it on my schedule and go visit him. The last thing I want to do is have you come in next week or two weeks from now and say, I just spent the whole week in the hospital. Oh, good to know. I'm glad I could be of help. All right? It does say call, and that's with your cell phone. If anyone is, let him call. Okay? <laughs> I hope you caught that. That was ISO Jesus. When you apply meaning to the scripture there, it doesn't belong. Okay. Here's another one anothering. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you have Christians you can go to and talk about what your real sin battles are? You know, and so you can pray for one another? Do you know how freeing it is to talk to somebody and know that they're having the same internal struggles and they're not judging you? Oh, you, that's your struggle? Yeah. You know what? Here's a confession. I'm not offended with Trump's crude language because I work for a living and out there in the real world, everybody talks like that. Amen. Right? And I know if someone recorded me in the last 10 years, there would be a conversation or two that you'd all be going... What you doing there, Jeff? Right? We're all guilty. I can't judge Trump because he's a crude, lewd, rude dude. And uh, but the bottom line is this: pray. If, if church members, I'd pray for you. You know, 
And if you, there's no sin, you can tell me that, oh, really? Oh, my. Okay, we're all in this together. <laughs> and there's also no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Uh, God uses the local church, your new family, to help you grow up. If you don't commit, you don't grow. All right? I thought that was a good thing, a good uh, comic strip. And, of course, the truth, God does not expect us to do life solo, the Lone Ranger Christianity. Rather, it is His design that we do life together. I would love to be able to see small groups get set up with leaders in charge so that you can come together for fellowship meals and Bible study or go through a series together. I would love to be able to do those things. But it takes mature believers to help manage a group because if that group isn't really founded in Christian doctrine, they go off and form little crazy cults. So we want to be careful of that. But And this church is small enough that this is pretty well a fellowship as well. But um, doing life together. So just two slides left. So the local church. Um, we take new and untaught believers. We establish them in Christian truth, the doctrines of the faith. Teach them how to be discipled and to become a disciple as they grow in maturity. And then serving in the local church evangelizing, reaching the unsaved, and bringing in new believers. It'd be so swell to see you come in and say, this is Billy Bob. He just confessed Christ this week. Whoa, we got a lot of work to do, don't we? You got to make sure he's getting discipled properly. And we got to make sure, just like Laura's banging at the door, church time! Right? In AA, you know what they call, I mentioned this before, you know what they call new AA people? They call them pigeons. Because the sponsor for that person, you know what pigeons do to statues? Right? So new converts, they're pigeons. They're going to they're gonna hold you up. They're going to say they're coming and they're not coming. But they're new and they're struggling and they don't have their act together. But are you willing to get dirty with them and bring them up in Christ? That's not the pastor's job. That's the Christian's job. And we end with this. Uh, I thought this was a great illustration. God and you, because you got to be in desperate love with Jesus. And you got to have your salvation secure. I'm going to heaven. Are you going to heaven? I'm going to heaven. So because of that, no matter how much I mess up, I can now, in fear and a little bit of courage, start to love you all a bit. And someone might bite my hand. Okay. Nasty, right? But I still got to love you. And then you start to develop relationships and then friendships and family. And then you realize there's a bigger church of pastors, elders, deacons, brothers and sisters in Christ, teaching and preaching, diving into the Bible and growing in faith. God did not lie to you. What the Bible says is the truth. And you grow in your salvation and turn into the image of Christ, and fall in love with Jesus all the more. And that's where love, joy, and peace comes from, is knowing God has you. And the end result, you can't help but worship God who continually gives us more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's the church. Let's pray. Father, uh, wow. 
you've called us to the most biggest, craziest plan ever uh, to serve in the local church and to love each other. So for folks here who aren't members yet, that they would be willing to officially get in the game and be partakers of the game and help and love each other and know each other by name and have each other's phone number and to email each other and to encourage one another, the real thing, and that we would be missed when we're gone and be harassed by everybody when we're gone so that we can encourage each other to love you and be faithful to you. So may this be the, a refreshed start for this whole church. We thank you in the last two months. We've had two families become members of the church and uh, the work that's going to entail there as well. Thank you for the blessings. And for everyone here, that they would know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakindeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakindeacon.com. Truth is here.